Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here. OutKick 360 continues Monday edition. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. You can watch the show at OutKick.com and listen across the southeast and beyond across the uh, the great Outkick Radio Network. The Bills released punter Matt Ariza a day after their preseason game, so they get back to Buffalo and uh, release the punter who they did not play on Friday. And then they, they attempt to try and correct the team's statement that was sent out on Friday where they claim to have done a thorough investigation, a thorough uh, inquiry into Thorough the matter. Review was was that the exact phrase? Yeah, the, the word they use is examination. Uh, and then their general manager Brandon Bean, uh, after their preseason game, says, "Yeah, we we should have probably used a, a different uh, phrase other than a thorough. Uh, the the word should have been uh, the examination and investigation is ongoing. And that um, they, they hit the right tenor and tone of this in the press conference in person." But the statement made it sound like that they they had done their due diligence based on the facts they had and made the determination that you know he was on the roster. And then more details came out that prove otherwise with uh, with what is is going on. It, he released a statement through his attorney, through his agent, where they said like um, everything's going to clear itself in court, and then Matt will be back uh, kicking again soon in the NFL. But guys, nonetheless, um, being confirmed that the team had, quote, boulders of information from the accuser's side when the team's assistant general counsel spoke to Jane Doe's lawyer. And the report was last last week, the lawyer claimed that the Bills never reached out. The Bills said they did through their general counsel and that uh, her attorney laid out some things that they were accusing Matt Ariza of and then further details came out with the the the, uh, the police report. They they were non-responsive to her lawyer reaching out with information about this. So they were well, they in talked the, to the lawyer in the know about what the accusation was. And as we suspected last week, they basically waited for if it was going to go public and what the public reaction was to spark action on their part, it seems like. Well, they, they through general counsel, they did speak to her attorney. Uh, yeah, they spoke. Prior to this news coming out publicly. Uh, that That's according to Brandon Bean. They, they also, um, he was also asked about releasing the, the other punter last Monday. Who's now in Indianapolis. And they, they made the determination that, you know, they were going to stick with Ariza last Monday. This was after... Um, the thorough examination, the, and I'm doing that in air quotes. But the they he also acknowledged he goes, yeah, that's a tough one. You can second guess whether that was the right move. Well, we had we Bain. had this back and forth on on Thursday when this came out. 
and we're talking about on the show, Hutton, you and I were discussing, and I, I was so confused by the statement because the statement in and of itself is contradictory. Because they start with, we were recently informed, and then further on they go, but we thorough, we did a thorough review or thorough examination of it. I'm thinking, how can you both be recently informed of something while also claiming to do a thorough review of it? And what on earth could you have found in a thorough review that would lead you to believe either his innocence or that you should continue to employ him based on what her allegations are in, in the case. And while that was the very confusing part to me throughout, they, they botched this thing. The absolutely. Bills did. While their reputation's not going to be good, their punting situation could be good because Brett, Brett Kern uh, has been told today per ESPN that he is being released by the Titans. He's a guy who um, has dealt with the elements plenty well in his career, but more, more importantly, knows how to still uh, drop balls inside the 20 very well and get them to check up. As you pointed out last week, Hutton, he's from Buffalo. He's from the Buffalo area. Uh, so he could choose to, to go to Buffalo if he likes. Or Indianapolis, which picked up the guy who Buffalo let go last week, may not be happy with, with their situation. And Kern, given a choice, maybe um, while he's from Buffalo originally, he's got a family here with three young kids, the oldest, uh, uh, Bryce, who's been a ball boy at the, for the Titans during training camp, is a seventh grader, used to be in school with my son. Um, it, maybe he'd want to commute from Indianapolis. He, he indicated when we talked to him on Saturday night when he was terrific, by the way, in saying, you know, if this is it, uh, yeah, you know, he, he it's, been, it's been phenomenal. And he said, you know, I knew I was in a tough spot as soon as Stonehouse got here because I've only seen three or four guys who hit the ball like he did. He was in uniform, Kern, on Saturday night, but he did not kick. And he was sentimental about it, knowing that it could very likely be his his last uh, time in uniform. Um, so he could c- commute to Indianapolis in a way where he could, could get home, you know, uh, on off days. So I would expect him to land in Buffalo or Indianapolis. So before we, you know, I agree. I, I think Brett Kern's going to have some options here. But before we close the door on Ariza and the Bills, let me also follow through on this by saying they were informed of this on July 27th, I believe was the day. They knew about it for a month. They had a month to prepare well, for the story to get out. They, they, and that was the statement they came out with. The, the first, the first uh, time that, based on a uh, report I was reading, surface level was June 4th. And then they received further details at the end of July, nearly you know, two full months later. They have further details. And then they release uh, the other punter that was battling Ariza last Monday. And then the news hits late last week while they are preparing for a preseason game. By the way, I remember us wondering, and and the report is that a couple teams knew about this before the draft. I remember us wondering why punters were drafted ahead of him. I, I, I think it's a logical line to draw that two teams that drafted punters ahead of him knew. Well, Bean and Sean McDermott said we spoke to um, – basically double-digit number of teams, and none of the teams we spoke to knew anything about it, is what they said about it. And they, they admitted we had no idea when we drafted them that that could have changed things. 
but saying that the teams they spoke to had no idea about this accusation. By the way, it was Barkley who punted for the Bills. He punted four times. He punted times. well. The, the one I saw, he punted well. Jordan Stout was selected in the fourth round by the Ravens, and Jake Camarda was taken by the Bucks three picks later. So the Bucks and the Ravens picking two other guys in the fourth round, 130 and 133, I would – I I would conclude that they knew when they passed over a guy who was one of the best. Didn't he set NCAA records with with uh, what he did? Well, he was the he's the award winner. He was the the best punter in the country according to college football. I mean, that's not everything you look at, but so here's, I, I remember expressing surprise at the time. Well, here's the date where I got the late July date. The accuser's attorney Dan Gillian shared with the Athletic. This is a story from the Athletic that an email showing that he reached out to Bill's assistant general counsel, Catherine D'Angelo, on July 31st. Gillian said the next day he had a long phone conversation with D'Angelo of the Bills, but had no further contact with the club about the case. It says, uh, it sounded like he expected her to return a call. Her understanding was she heard what he had to say, and that's when we began our process. The attorney saying... We talked for a while. I was expecting the Bills to call back for further info. They didn't. The Bills took that conversation and decided to, I guess, hold out hope that the story wouldn't go public yeah. and, and figure that they knew what they knew from that conversation and talking to a riser. I'm a big believer in Occam's razor. The, the easiest explanation, the most logical explanation is usually the explanation. And the most logical explanation here is... If it didn't come public, uh, they they would have been okay with keeping him. Well, because it, all that changed it, also, was it became public yes, and they looked and, terrible. But that's where it looks even worse. They had a month. They it's they tacked. knew about this for a month, so you had a month to prepare your statement. And they cut their alternative. Handle this. They and, cut their alternative five days before, and then they cut him after releasing that statement. The plan could have been all along. Well, if it gets out, we'll just cut the guy. Right. Right, I mean, we'll we'll hold. He's a really good punter, so we'll hold tight. And when it goes public, then we'll probably cut him or just be quiet about it. But they had that was their prepared statement after hearing about this a month before. It was that terrible. They do not. Look and then they good. had then they had to cut him. That the, to me, it's just more about CYA mishandling by the organization in this whole thing. And I'm sure that Ariza told the team his side of the story that conflicts with hers, and they believed him. They, they found it to be very believable. They're not saying that now, but Sean McDermott and Bean are both saying, yeah, we had plenty of conversations with them about it, you know, and, and they're without saying it, what they want, they don't want us to know this, but they believe to rise. And part of his, his defense, his explanation. part of his defense is he doesn't know she's underage. Well, this is a very dangerous area. You are obligated to know her age. If you're a 21-year-old guy, and you're engaging in sexual relations with somebody that's 17. Uh, uh, let's well, they're, even, they're saying that that, that 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 did not happen with Ariza. They spoke at the party, is what his attorney. Is what says. he's saying. Yes, Re- read what the attorney said. He's he's saying that they spoke at the party and had no idea how old she was at the party. Well, they also not that they had sex with her, and they didn't know she was 17. So the police investigation, the police have turned over the information in the investigation to the DA. DA has yet to press charges as of now. But as part of the police investigation, 
they listened in while she called a right. rise of the next day. Who told her to check for SPD. I pointed this out. Yeah. I pointed this out last Friday. They they wiretapped and were feeding her questions. Yep. And he, he was on to it because at the after the second question that was asked to him, he uh, abruptly said, this is Matt Ariza, and I don't remember anything from that night, and hung up the phone call. So yeah, they he was on to that. By the way, this took place in October of 2021. And yep. here it is, August of 2022, and you're just now hearing about it. Well, here's, you know, look, it's in the San middle of football season. It's last year. San Diego State. Okay, this is not an SEC program. But how does not one reporter that covers the Aztecs get that story? Well, because to your point, because police are involved, you would think like there's even, a, there's, even the news beat would get in. Right. There was if there's a police report, even with names redacted, you're looking into. A multiple students gang involved rape in a gang accusation rape. on campus. It's just a crazy set of circumstances that the Bills drafted him. He did so well, and then this gets out. But they find out, you know, during training camp, before preseason games even start, that this was an allegation that was out there. It's it's crazy that in 2022 something like that can remain that quiet for that long, even when there's been the accusation from the victim in this case. Yeah, and, and now, I mean, this is where the bill the Bills, though, to me, deserve this much of credit. He's holding up uh, well, an inch. Yeah, very small. Very small credit because the way that both their, the, the, the head coach and general manager came across after the game, uh, you could tell it, it really bothered them. And they, uh, they ultimately did the right thing released him you know they, they did release him to the and now they're you know, trying out kickers they're going to end up with a, a punter that's going to be very good with uh, the number of punter Denver just released a veteran too because he refused to take a pay cut so they cut him um, there, there are a number of veterans on the market right now and this is an organization that doesn't punt very often I mean they they, they punt the least amount of any offense in the NFL last year so you know this it, it's uh it, it was a headache and because Goodell has no jurisdiction. It's not like you can just wait on Roger to come now and we're going to wait on the league to make their determination on his roster status. The Bills had to act and they did. They didn't play him. He flew back with them and they released him. So um, if, if they deserve any credit, they deserve credit for not just sticking with the statement they left out there and just moving on. Well, and I think that no, I, don't I think, think McDermott stuck with it. I, I don't think McDermott or Bean obviously, you know, drafted that statement that was bad. I thought they handled it pretty well when talking with the media, just saying, "Look, just know there was no ill will towards this, and we try to be perfect, but we're not. You know, we're not perfect on personnel matters or things like this, but we're going to continue to try to be better about it." I mean, they didn't. They weren't defiant about things. They said we thought we were doing some of the right things, but. Maybe we weren't, and we're never going to get it 100%. And even though we know we have a good culture here, it's not always 100%. Basically saying, our bad, you know, but this is something we should have known or been better about. But would they have done the right thing without public pressure? No. 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 Yeah, they, they were moving on with, with him on their roster. Um, Najee Harris, his Liz Frank injury. The expectation, according to Pittsburgh, is he is on track, on pace for week one. So that that is great news in the Steelers' backfield. That's a scary yes. term, though. You hear those words, and you do not think, oh, he's going to be 
ready to go. Everything's fine. And this took place in week one of the preseason uh, where he suffered the Liz Frank uh, injury in camp. So, so five weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Um, Rappaport uh, reported, we saw him the other day at the game. That's a sign he's good to go, uh, ready for the season. Judging from the initial injury, it seems like he was out for about four weeks. That's the general timeline. So I'm passing this on because many of you are fantasy football players or you're a Steelers fan. There are many out there. That's good news for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll get into Trubisky and Pickett in, in a moment. Brady speaks for the first time after he plays drives down opening possession at six of eight passing I believe were the stats and goes down they open the game with a field goal and then he says look I'm ready to go like I'm, I'm in I'm here uh, on his 11-day absence um, he said look I'm old uh, I've got a lot of bleep going on and that was kind of that the, the players in the locker room were very upbeat about his performance and the fact that they're they're charged up that he's back and ready. It's just still a weird vibe. The whole thing is is confusing. The bigger issue, though, they suffered another injury on their offensive line. They're down. They, going into the preseason game, based on injuries, they were down to their third string center with two guys uh, on, on the men, including Hainsey, who's already replacing um, the, the veteran starter. So I, I don't want to try to read too much into the interpretation of what uh, Tom Brady's saying here, but... I feel like I'm pretty confident saying this was not just some preordained family trip that he went on with the personal issues. So read into that how you will. I don't know. The quote, it's all personal. Everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. We all have really unique challenges in our life. I'm, and he paused. He's like, I'm 45 years old, man. I got a lot of bleep going on. We all have just got to figure out life that's be as best you can. It's a continuous process. Yeah, so I would say, uh, and look, I understand it, it's Tom Brady, but he's basically acknowledging everybody in his locker room and everybody in another, every locker room has a bunch of bleep going on. And those guys don't get 11 days off. So, you know, I, I, he's a special circumstance guy. I, I get it. But the 35-year-old guy in every other locker room also has a bunch of bleep going on. And work through it for 11 days. That, that line, by the way, could sum up my life at times, except I'm 40 and not 45. I'm 40 years old. I got a lot of bleep going on. Everybody I, I love the way he said that. Um, yeah, I mean. Whatever it I, is, he I, doesn't want it out. He doesn't want it out. I mean, I, I, I just took it as there's something bigger going on here that he doesn't want people to know about. This is not a simple. But again, it's also odd that this was talked about and discussed before camp started, that there was some sort of plan. Right? Todd Bowles said, we knew about this before camp so I, I i don't know i mean there's there's a you know an ex-wife involved here there's another son from a previous relationship i don't know all the things that go on in his life when he says i'm 45 and there's a lot of things happening with him and, that the, it could and his be. oldest son jack did have a birthday during that 11 day span i mean again we're all piecing this together but Whatever it is, he's not going to acknowledge exactly the specifics of, of where he was and what he was doing. And you're, you're talking about his offensive line. I'm having a hell of a time picking somebody in the NFC. I mean, I, I've gone through the NFC over and over. I don't like anybody. I don't have a hard time picking someone in that division, though, <laughs> even with his offensive line. Well, not in a good, well, good because spot. Because the division's not good. Yeah. But what division so, is so good? That's my point. Did you see that – So. We don't. We don't. Forty Niners subscribe to the Forty Niners. Uh, yeah, the Rams are going to be great. We we don't subscribe to the NFL Top One Hundred list. 
but Brady was listed as number one, number one player in the NFL. And the, at first glance, you're like, really? Brady's better? And you start thinking about all the players. Aaron Donald's first one that comes to my head. But at 44 years old, he threw more passes and more touchdown passes than any quarterback in the NFL. And if you deep dive a little further on where he ranks in key categories, passing yards last season, number one in the league. Passing touchdowns, 43 of them at age 44, number one in the league. Um, sack percentage, they protected him best among any quarterback, number one in the league. Total QBR, second in the league. Wins, first in the league. Like Everything that Brady, it's hard to argue his level of play at the age that he's like it's very difficult paul what clicked with what you said is hard to pick a team it's so difficult to pick against him no matter what is in front of him well that sack number's going up or, number or one the completion points, percentage number one down. in touchdowns for an offense 61 total touchdowns uh, 498 total points as an offense i mean it's just never terrific they're in all the key categories he's first second or third in the but, league out of his three Bucks teams, we're going to agree the personnel on this one's the worst. Um, was well, offensive line, yes. I mean, Ryan, definitely his protection his would be. Guys aren't there, but his wide his top wide receiving core is pretty good. And believe it or not, Julio Jones continues to look like Julio Jones from three years ago, it's according just, to reporters. It's yeah. just amazing to me that I feel like. Tom Brady, he's going to skate by on this, and no one's going to know until he decides to talk about it in a documentary series that he's doing, and he'll just tell you people may what never it was talk about it at some at some point. But it's it. No one's going to report it, and it's um, it's it's done. Thing is, his he's, documentary he's series is out already. He talked about it, but didn't talk about it, and now we're moving on. It's 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 season time. Game starts to count. On to Cincinnati. Yep. <laughs> they open up on the road at Dallas, Week One. On to Dallas. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up. Key quarterback uh, play from the final week of the preseason includes who's going to start in Pittsburgh. We've got uh, details there. They've named a starter in Seattle. Other details include Trevor Penning, one of the top offensive linemen selected in this draft. We'll give you his week one status. Denzel Mims asking for a trade. There is a second-year quarterback who was phenomenal this past weekend in his final preseason start. All of that and more. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Show rolling on as we recap the preseason. It's on to week one now. Ten days away. Bring it. Let's go. Let's go. Ten days from that Thursday night kickoff. Bills and Rams. Um, Trubisky and Pickett, they continue to do exactly what they've been doing all preseason, which is play very well. Trubisky has done nothing but win the job, and I'm still on the side of playing Pickett for, for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Tomlin said that they uh, will announce it whenever they feel like it. They may already know who they're going to start, he said, but he's not going to tell the media anything. But both played very well. Trubisky has had an excellent preseason, considering the fact that they drafted Pickett to be the future of the franchise. And it's it's hard to argue against either choice I one only, way or the other because he, Pickett was excellent. He had a great throw from the far hash across the field on the boundary and fit a uh, fit a pass in on the boundary just past a defensive back out of reach who was who was trailing the receiver receiver made a great grab and toe tap on the sideline but Pickett's even making the the difficult throws look easy Trubisky also had a tight window throw effortless uh that beat two defensive backs into a very tight window so I I came away and I only saw highlights but I thought my god both of these guys making super tough tight window throws what a uh luxury for for Mike Tomlin to be looking at two guys who are making throws like that I have no problem with them waiting on Pickett if Trubisky's doing things like that right now which is what they thought they could get out of him if uh you know put in their situation which is good call by them so um if they could buy Pickett time God bless him. I, well, I mean, that's an ideal scenario. If you're not getting a clear-cut, you know, uh, number one pick who's a day one starter, which they clearly d- didn't think he was based on how they brought him in, um, if you can buy some time for your guy to do more learning behind the scenes and win some games with the veteran uh, for a while, which they clearly think they can, and which Pickett, I mean, which uh, Trubisky has given them the feel that they can based on how he's performed, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't think they have to wait and buy time for him. He's been that good. His preseason, and I don't care. It, it, he's operating the offense based on how they're allowing him to play. Yep. They gave him first-team reps in week two of training camp. His preseason numbers, he's 29 of 36 for 261 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That dude should start. That's, that's a first-round first quarterback. That, that, that's the numbers you would expect from a number one overall pick at quarterback. You just blank. Give me fill in the blank on the on who you think that is. That's Kenny Pickett right now at Pittsburgh, and Bucky Brooks had an interesting column at, uh, recently at NFL.com. Reading this on Friday, he he said it makes sense to go with Trubisky until you realize the organization that's making the call. This is an organization with Mike Tomlin that has never been below 500. They don't wait on storylines to play out. They don't sit around and wait on you know what in five weeks. Maybe we'll give them some time. They go. They, they, don't, they don't play this, uh, we, let's give them another month scenario. They, they didn't do it with Roethlisberger. There's always, he, he, just, he was pointing out the consistency and how the organization goes about things. They are very abrupt and decisive. They don't have a plan where there's like, you know what, maybe the bye week's a good time to insert the backup. He's like, I, he doesn't think that Tomlin is thinking that way in Omar Khan, who is in that system, wouldn't be thinking that way. But the, the other side of the coin here is it's hard to argue against what Trubisky's done. And he was yet again very good yesterday in the, the final preseason game, and he started. So it, it's, it's an interesting decision, but Pickett has done nothing but win the job. That, that's what's so intriguing by it. I would go with him. I, if he's the future I, of your franchise, I would start him. I, I agree. I, I would go with him. And I also don't think Trubisky's been bad. But you, why are you going with Trubisky over Pickett? You're, you're just saying 
his little bit of experience, even if he wasn't very good in Chicago, plays such a factor that we want to go with him early in this season before Kenny Pickett. I understand that rationale, but is that really a reason to start someone who, let's face it, you drafted in the first round because you believe they are better than the guy you've got? You draft a first-round quarterback to eventually start a first-round quarterback, so you think that the long-term potential is better. Is he better in the short term? We'll find out. I, I don't know about you guys. We're working on some predictions across the league right now. When I really take a look at Pittsburgh, I got a hard time believing they're not going to be kind of a sleeper surprise in that division this year, especially if Kenny Pickett hits it big and shows off some of the promise he's shown in these preseason games. Well, they, you wouldn't be saying that based on... <laughs> there was a scare last night, or yes, I'd say last night. It, it ran, the game went long in their final preseason game with T.J. Watt among them getting hurt. And the quote was, Tomlin, Tomlin said, uh, in a regular season game, they may have been able to go back in, may have been able to go back in. But there was a sigh of relief from Steelers fans. Yeah. That's one of those where, like my old freshman basketball coach, when you yank the cord out of the wall for the scoreboard and just get yeah. on out of there. All right, guys. Well, can't have any more fun now. Let's go. Everybody, let's go to the Ooh. locker room. And let's get out of here and get ready for the season. Yeah, they, they, uh, they dodged a bullet on, on the injury front yesterday. Um, Paul, but it, it, I don't think there's a bad there, – there's not a wrong choice here. But because there's not a wrong choice, I would go with the investment. Go ahead and go with the guy that's been very good. Well, the like, young guy. I, I mean, we can argue both sides of it. I think, um, you know, there are things that Pickett hasn't seen yet that I, I would say he could benefit from seeing Trubisky go through early and sorting through from, from a meeting room perspective for a while. It's very rare that you have the luxury to be able to do that with the first round pick. Um, and so if you have that luxury, I, I say take advantage of it for a while. And I'm, um, I'm not as bullish on, on Pittsburgh, mostly because I am bullish on Cincinnati. And while I don't like the Ravens, the Ravens are always emerge, uh, particularly on a rare, after a rare year where they weren't in the playoff picture. Um, so in a stacked AFC, I find it hard to see three teams making the playoffs and I find it hard not to see Cincinnati and the, and the Ravens being there. The Dolphins just released Sonny Michelle, which, uh, who is one of a big committee of running backs that they put together. But it's a weird scenario. I can't remember what day Sonny of the Michelle, week. by the way, fell quick because he was he a did. player with New England and uh, now getting released by, by Miami. I can't remember what day of the week cuts were last year, and it might have been on a Tuesday, and I remember breaking one or two Titans cuts from here, but it seems very weird that it's on a Tuesday because a lot of them are coming out today, and then it puts a team in a weird spot in terms of availability today and tomorrow, like the Titans aren't having any availability today or tomorrow. We don't see them again until Wednesday, and then it's only Wednesday, Thursday before they're off again for what's mandated a long weekend. Um, so the timing feels odd. Uh, it's maybe great timing for Sony Michelle, Chad, because you mentioned how he, he fell off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, he was great with Josh McDaniel in New England. Yes. It, and it, it they happened, just let it go of Kenyon Drake. It happened quick, too, with they him just, falling off a cliff. They just 
uh, got rid of Kenyon Drake. So I wonder if Sonny Michelle ends up in Vegas back well, with his old offensive coordinator. As quick as he fell off that cliff, I, I would expect a quick call <clears throat> from Vegas and Josh McDaniel, like you said. So uh, uh, speaking of calls, Mason Rudolph and the Steelers are getting a lot of calls from teams uh, because Rudolph has also been very good considering he's the third-string quarterback. And it I Sounds think, like they're reluctant at this point. Well, they're reluctant because he's only making $3 million. He's very affordable. And I don't think the offers have and been because terrific. Because he's very affordable, they're, they're saying you have to give us a better offer than what you would give you know, some other third-string quarterback because, again, he's, he's very affordable for us to keep. And we could be Carolina tomorrow, for all we know. After week one, we could be Carolina where – Carolina has not only Matt Corral out for the season, but now Sam Darnold has an ankle injury where he's rolled up on on a, a tackle attempt. And that was ugly. He's he's out for at least a month or so with a high ankle sprain. Could have been a lot worse. It looked worse. Yeah, PJ Walker the, continues to ascend. Yeah, so PJ Walker's the the current backup to uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield who lowered his shoulder on a defender on the sideline again in preseason duty, then went over and apologized, like shook the dude's hand for hitting him too hard on the boundary. And I'm thinking, like, what are you doing? You did this last year in week two against the Texans. And he did it in a preseason performance Can't where he's already him. been named the starter. Can't stop himself. Baker Mayfield's one of those guys, that's where the coach has to protect the player against themselves and almost just not play them in a preseason game because he doesn't know any better. Like we You cannot to- ever train that out of his mind to not – lower his shoulder on a guy in that yeah, situation. Yeah, some guys are just like that. He's the type of guy that in a backyard football game is going to you know, dislocate his uncle's hip yeah. Yeah. because he's going to lower his shoulder on him Jake on Locker the sideline. Jake Locker was like But that. you also have to mandate it out of him in the regular season to, to a yeah. degree. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's the concern with Mayfield now, though. Is it, That's always been the concern, though, was his frame and how he played the game. His concern of Matt Corral coming in the league also from Ole Miss. Yep. Um, so the the other injury of note at quarterback is Terod Taylor with the Giants. So he's the backup to Daniel Jones. He was carted off with a back injury in the preseason game against the Jets. Um, turns out, uh, according to um, Dayball, it looks as though they've dodged a bullet there. But this is another quarterback who has been banged up throughout his career. And these are the types of... The types of injuries, Chad, we were discussing last week about you're, you're waiting on the injury to happen where Garoppolo ends up somewhere or you have a team that wants to trade for Mason Rudolph or you know, there's another quarterback of interest that's likely to be cut, but now a team can get something in return because there's a team in need and they want to guarantee they upgrade at the spot and not have to compete in bids on, on the market or claims. This, is, uh, this was intriguing because he took a hard hit and it looked like the Giants were going to be down to a waiver wire pickup going into week one. That impacts week one here in Nashville. If he was down, they would have to make a move. I mean, yeah. they're insufficient as it is. And they are banged up as a team. Well, when I put that list together of the top five and bottom five backup quarterbacks in the league, I can tell you Terod Taylor was not in consideration for the bottom five, but he was in consideration for the top five guys at that position, that spot in the league. So that would have been a big blow considering what they have right now at starting quarterback with Daniel Jones. Denzel Mims requested a trade, uh, former second-round pick by the Jets, and then goes out and balls out. Had over 100 yards receiving, six or seven catches in the preseason. 
that's how you if you're if you want out and you want to start to churn the water and stir up some interest not only do you demand a trade, but a day later you go out and you put up some numbers behind it. I thought his play agents, me so someone else can pay me. Basically, is the, the yeah. strategy there for Mims? I thought his agents comment with the request, and I'm usually not in favor of this sort of thing at all. But I thought his agents comment was pretty good. He said, you know, I, I think he was hurt. He said he came back. He did everything he's been asked to do, and despite that, he hasn't gotten, hasn't been able for whatever reason to break through and get a chance with the ones. And and given those circumstances, um, it, it seems reasonable to us to be making this request. I, I don't really have any beef with with that kind of request, and I think the Jets have have pretty much said no. Um, well, initially, you know, the Jets like being deep there. Uh, initially they said no, but then I, I think they're more open to the reports were that their phone line was open. I don't know. Like at this stage though, I'm not going to trade for a receiver. I'm going to, I'm going to wait to see what veterans yes. pop up, pop up available and then try to upgrade after week one where the contracts are not locked in and they're not fully guaranteed. The only trade you're making right now and his contract wouldn't be fully guaranteed because uh, he, he's, he's not old enough for that. But the only kind of trade you're making right now is for a guy you know is going to be cut and there might be a scramble for and you're trading a conditional seventh to get a cheap contract player who you don't want to get into a wrestling match to acquire. You're also hurting your market, I feel like, when you publicly proclaim that you want to be traded because then teams are looking, like a guy like Denzel Mims is saying, well, they're probably going to have to cut him so then I can sign him. If I really want them, I'm not going to engage in that as opposed to privately pushing with the organization. I'm sure they did that well, before. I don't think they're going to cut them. To, to trade. I don't right? think there's a circumstance but where they're point, them. If you're going to sit around and wait for guys to get cut out there, there's probably some thought around the league that if he's that unhappy and they can't find a trade partner, they're going to have to cut him. Now, I think he's a skilled guy who, based on what I said about, about a relatively friendly trade request – uh, I, I don't. Th- I don't think they'd they'd get rid of him for nothing. Geno Smith is your starter in Seattle. Woo-hoo! I made that official. So there you go. They <laughs> they play uh, the Cowboys on Friday. They lose, and then it's Geno's it's Geno's time. Geno's time with the Seahawks. Who was the guy that broke his jaw in the fight with the Jets? Remember, it was like a backup linebacker yes. that got cut yes. immediately. Ike is like Impanata, Impaniti. <laughs> I need to look that name It's not up. a memorable name. I, I, but I've been watching these sports docs lately, and I'm thinking, I'd love to see a sports documentary about that punch. about what It, it started with a fight with someone else about a debt that Geno Smith had not paid. And then they got into some trash talk, and a teammate punched him. I, I-K... There it is. I know it's I-K in, or I-P something. In Impala, I think is how you... I don't know how you say it. That sounds right. But by... Do, by this is 2015. Um, by this defensive end... Punching him, that opened the door for Ryan Fitzpatrick to take the job. And you know what happens when Ryan Fitzpatrick is handed the starting job? He does not relinquish half it for good, a while. Half good, half bad. Uh, I want to watch. I watched the Manti Teo doc, and now I want to watch a documentary oh, based man. on this guy. What happened after the punch? What led up to the punch? I want to see all of it. Full disclosure. Trevor. Hey, let me tell you something. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be starting in short order in that situation anyway. Geno Smith was going to yeah. blow it in about two the or three games. The broken jaw from the punch just sped up the process. <laughs> right. It sped up the inevitable. Uh, Trevor Pinning likes to throw hands. Uh, left tackle drafted to replace Teron Armstead in New Orleans. He had his foot stepped on, and the reports were that it's turf toe. CBS Sports says he's going to have surgery to help this issue, this painful issue, and who knows on his availability now moving forward. But he was drafted specifically to play left tackle for Jameis Winston, who you know has played well when given the opportunity this preseason for whatever stock you want to put into preseason games. Justin Fields also put on a show. He's the second-year quarterback I was referring to earlier. 14 of 16, 156 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and he had touchdown drives of 80, 52, and 62 yards in his final preseason performance. Um, I'd like to see a, who the Browns had on the field in that game and how much of a factor that was. Yeah, but for, for a team that is looking for a bright spot with their, their quarterback of the future. They didn't put much around him, but at least he, he ends on some, uh, a high note for the, the, uh, the preseason. And bad news for, for Jameis Winston. He's coming off an ACL. That's his blind side. And now Trevor Penning is sidelined for an indefinite amount of time. I don't, this is something that lingers, pick. though. He was a crucial turf pick toe. for them. Yeah, it sounds like a very toe. minor issue, but it's painful. No, turf toe is is uh, it's not Liz Frank, but it is um, it it's comparable in its ability to linger and and be a sustained issue. I've not heard much about surgeries for it, so maybe that's a good thing that it can get resolved if if he does in fact have have an operation for it. Um, but that's a shame for them that they're going to be playing a, a backup there for some time. Coming up, a meaningless record that is pretty incredible when you put it up against how we view the preseason. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Shout out to Outkick 360 season ticket holder Dylan Morris. It's his birthday today. He swung by. He's in uh, studio with us here at Sixth and Peabody. He's trying the IPA from Yeehaw Beer. All great decisions. All great decisions. And uh, he's like, man, I didn't want to lurk outside, so I wanted to come in and say hello. He said what so many have said, that you know, you see the video footage of the place when you watch the show, but it doesn't do it justice when you get inside of Sixth and Peabody. Full city block here. It's, it's a lot to see. Expansive. It's a good word to describe Sixth and Peabody. So a record that is meaningless, but it is pretty incredible when you consider the Ravens complete yet another unbeaten preseason. 23 straight wins in the preseason. With the number of players and just uh, 
the the idea that your third string continues to win games against their third string is remarkable, even though it means absolutely nothing at the end of the season or even going into week one. The fact that they've won 23 straight games is crazy to me. Well, Lamar, they, Lamar doesn't play, they, and, and they win. They do draft well, so it makes sense that they're – Depth is better than your depth, and I think in in terms of drafting well, that that spills over probably to their undrafted rookie free agents, who are the guys playing late in games a lot. But also, they probably have leads that spill into the fourth quarter frequently, and it, there's a fluky element to it too, I, I presume. But I mean, it means a little bit to them, so they probably play to win more than most. I, I, I yeah, would love I mean, to see they, just... Uh, by the way, they, they won 17-15 to complete another 3-0 and preseason. They, Washington scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Uh, Baltimore scored seven and ten in the second and third quarter, and that was it. And they still... They still win the game. I'd love to see just uh, some sort of study that shows, uh, probably be pretty easy for someone in sports wagering. If you bet $10 on all, what is that, 22 in a row? 23. 23 games in a row in the preseason for the Ravens on the money line, how much money you would have made? 23 straight games. They're favored in every game, so I don't know. I don't know what I don't know either, but I mean, were they favored in all 23? I doubt that. Of those games? But recently, yes. I mean, they're going to be favored in every preseason game until they start losing them uh, from this point on out. For sure. <laughs> so the previous record... I'm always looking for the end. Like, what's the angle I'm missing here that's always a winner? And I, lo and behold, it was just betting on the Ravens' money line in the preseason. The previous record was old-time Packers who lost to a college all-star team but then won like six more against NFL teams before they lost again to an NFL team. It's kind of weird. 23 straight. Throw Way a parade. Will they, will they hang a banner whenever it ends? Preds would. They're not the Preds. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Nashville Predators for our out-of-town listeners. Coming up, we head into the final hour. We talk college football. It is game week. We take a look at the key week one matchups. Hour three is next on OutKick 360.